I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. You're listening to BSH Radio. Is this true? Live from the Wildfire Studios in New Jersey. The hockey team, the Flyers. And right here on BroadStreetHockey.com. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. We are coming to you, as was mentioned in the intro. I don't even have to mention Wildfire anymore because John did it. That's such a good intro. I hate that people have to hear his voice and then mine just to like get a sample of what you're supposed to sound like. You sound exactly like him. (laughs) I feel like my voice is especially grating after John's. Is that true? <laughs> That's jarring. Your voice in the intro is jarring. Well, it's like, amazing. Scream. Like, it's almost Love like it. you have a show called Yelling About Sports. Oh, my God. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we have an awesome show for you. We took last week off. I hope you enjoyed uh, the Joey Pierogi's Best of BSH Radio clip show. Uh, if you listen to it, thanks. <laughs> You're a crazy person. <laughs> It's a roller coaster of emotions listening to that from the beginning of the season. Holy hell. I listened Why to would th- anyone subject themselves we to that? We were so innocent and we, we were so young and dumb. So we naive. Knew nothing. So naive. Like, mm-hmm. so young and dumb. Just had no I listened, idea what was coming. I listened mm-hmm. to the first full episode after that clip show, and woo, we had some predictions in there, and... This season could not have gone any any, any worse. Like, well, I was just joking about all of mine. Like it just. <laughs> well, the, the the Flyers, the hockey team, the Flyers, uh, they made a great run at the end of last season to get into the playoffs, where they may or may not have belonged. They were there, so they belonged. And then they added two guys we expected to have a huge impact in Provorov and Konechny. They we just figured they were upgrades because they are more skilled than the players that they were replacing. Uh, it didn't turn out that way, but. You know, this is why we do the show. That's so just it's, it's all for entertainment. In, in the first episode that we did this season, it's on on SoundCloud episode number seventy nine. I'm sure it is on iTunes as well. So, Bill, you have a lot of optimism. I took notes. There's like three pages of notes on this first episode. Bless. So, Bill has a lot of optimism. Says they'll make a run. I'm very excited. I say they'll make the playoffs and show the league this is who we are now. Like those were my words. Um, well, they did that. Reasonable expectations. <laughs> Kelly, you said cup or bust, oh, all in, oops. and that you see no reason why they can't go all the way. Charlie says if they were in the Atlantic, they would be a conference final team, but Tampa is better. I, I, I don't, I'm going to say that they're still better than Ottawa, so I'm, well, they are. <laughs> I'm holding that one. And then, and then you predicted that they'd finish third. So we were so young I and dumb. Could, I did think they could get into the top three in the division. I did uh, believe yeah. that. Uh, so let me introduce you to the panel for the night. First and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Alicia's D. Steph Driver. So I have a question. Like it's it's legitimate, and it's kind of piggybacking off a couple of the th- other things that you guys are going to say. But like, how do we watch the playoffs? This the entire the entire playoff season for this year. 
and then go back to watching the Flyers next year and thinking that this is fun and good hockey. The same oh, way we have for the last 41 consecutive seasons. But is it just me where I think that the this playoff series as a whole has been much more fun than what we've seen in the recent past? I think this year is more fun than last year, for sure. Yeah. And also, I feel like this was like a, the, a very low point for the flyers. Well, there's also that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to see getting back to feeling the kind of excitement watching a Flyers game that you feel watching a Preds game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Flyers the just Leafs. aren't Stanley Leafs, Cup yeah. contenders because they finally after, you know, years of patchwork decided let's rebuild and that's what they're doing. We're going to enjoy the Flyers because we're going to get to see the number two pick and Oscar Lindblom and Konechny and Proverol have taken the next step. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Ghost stays healthy and doesn't uh, get benched. And That'd that's nice. that. That's just that's what we have to watch for. That's how. I, I guess I don't think, and this is something that I kind of went back and forth with everybody on the podcast all year. Like, I don't think the Flyers were especially unfun this year, but I know that everybody here strongly disagree with me. I just thought they were, you know, a below average to mediocre team that got some really, really awful puck luck. But like, I, I found that the team, you know, the, you know, the, the the lockout year that was to me the least fun Flyers we've ever seen. That's that was a pretty and, and, and and like this year was way more fun to yeah. me than that year. That year was just unwatchable. No matter how bad the Flyers were this year, if they get league average goaltending, they're in the playoffs. There's not a question in my mind. I, they they lost so many games because their goalies were playing with their eyes closed or whatever the hell happened. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah. It, <laughs> I hope they're better next year. They should, they should be better next year. Yeah. They should be. The fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. So speaking of the Predators, I think for a long time as Flyers fans, we've kind of fancied ourselves as some of the best fans in the league and fancied our building as one of the hardest to play in. But I don't know if you've been to a Flyers game in the past three or four years. And it's just not anymore, man. Especially watching what we've seen in Nashville this year, which is you know an untraditional hockey market. Seeing what those fans bring to a game, and I know it's the playoffs, so it's a little bit more than you would normally see, but even so, it's we need to step up our game big time I, I, as fans. Yeah, I think the building has been too quiet Very for dead. even longer than that. And yeah. I always, because I would always hear like, you know, old heads be like, oh, you don't know what it is. Like the spectrum was so loud. And I was like, yeah, okay, of course it was. Yeah, 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 old yeah. person. But then you actually go back and watch those games and. Like, it's audible. Like, yeah. the crowd noise is there. It's very much I mean, like a real home ice advantage. The and now it's had its moments. <sighs> yeah. Like, I, when when they years. score, it gets loud. Oh, when yeah. some, they're just not a loud crowd. No, but even going back to, like, <clears throat> I wasn't at these games, but I go back and watch the clips of the Flyers playoff series before the first lockout against Tampa. That was a loud building. I mean, you can audibly hear, you know, the crowd going crazy before Keith Primo puts the puck in the net when they when they go to tie that score. Mm-hmm. Before the puck's even in, as it's rolling across the crease, the crowd's just like freaking out because they know what's going to happen. You could tell that was loud as hell. It, it to me, it's just the fact the team's been bad. Like it's just, it's just that the team has been bad for an extended period of time. And yeah, the building sold out, but it sold out with people who aren't. You know, maybe they're maybe they're diehards, but they're not like the obnoxious diehards. That's I think we're 
because we fill the building, I feel like our crowd is a little entitled. Like we're the best fans. Yeah, we that's... have one hundred and one percent like uh, capacity, and it's like, yeah, but you're just sitting there. Like you're only there yeah. to drink beer with that's your buddies. That's the thing. It's like not... there's not like a sense of like let's get our team yeah. going. It's more of like, hey, I paid eighty bucks to be in this building, you assholes. Why don't you give me a show? And if you don't, I'm just gonna sit here and drink. And all like night. Nashville until like last year was in the bottom third right. attendance for like years. It's a cool crowd. It's a cool yeah. atmosphere. This is their first time and, and it's we'll amazing. And we'll see if they keep it going. Yeah. Let's see in five years if like there's 50,000 people at a viewing party. Yeah. Maybe there will be because it's an amazing party town and the setup they have there is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, this is their first time. We need to step it up, though. The man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So one thing that's been getting on my nerves for the past, really for the past month, but especially over the last week, is something that gets on my nerves a lot, which is the topic of Penguins fans. But specific, <laughs> specifically in this case, I really wish they would stop taking it so personally when people say, your team is getting lucky. It's it seems so like weird. every time people say that, you have a bunch of Penguins fans jump on, like, we're not lucky. We have such good players. This is all part of our Acquiring grand... Acquiring them was all luck. This, this is all part of our grand plan to play a counterattacking style, and you're just dumb that you don't realize that Mike Sullivan's a genius, and this is all part of our big plan. Like, no. Your team is getting outshot and outplayed in basically every game of both this series and in the Washington series. You should have lost that one. You probably should be down at least 2-1 to one in this series. You've gotten good luck. You've been able to capitalize on the rare scoring chances you get, and Pecorine in two of those games was utterly horrific. So, like, that's why you're winning the series. And you know what? That's fine. If you're a Penguins fan, just enjoy it. Don't be like, no, actually, we're good. Say, say to the people who, who are getting who are saying that your team's getting lucky, yeah, we're getting lucky, and it's awesome, huh? Like, it shouldn't matter to the fans whether the team is winning because of skill or luck. They're still winning, and they're still probably going to win the Stanley Cup because they're up 2-1 to one in the series. Just accept that people are going to be annoyed that your team's getting outplayed and still winning, and just be happy that your team's winning. Because no one's going to remember in 20 years that the Penguins <clears throat> got lucky to win the Cup. They're just going to remember they won the Cup. I don't necessarily think it's luck that you have a high shooting percentage when Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel are in your lineup. I mean, yeah, but should you have a 20% shooting percentage? No, because no one shoots 20%. I think my favorite thing that I read was like, well, actually, the Penguins only need five shots a game because they score on three of them. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's your strategy. Your strategy is to go 20 minutes a game without getting a shot. 37 okay. in that one game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a weird thing. Like, you can admit that they got the offsides call wrong. In game one. It's okay. (laughs) You can laugh about it. Ha ha ha. It went our way. Like, you don't have to defend all of the wrong things. It's just such a weird impulse. I don't understand it. It's like not only not only do you have to accept that the Penguins are winning, you have to be like, oh, they're the greatest team ever. Like, yeah. no, no, this year they are not the greatest team ever, and they're winning anyway, and that's what's so infuriating to us. But to them, what the hell do they care? Their and team's also, still winning. It's not like a binary thing. Like, you can be good and lucky. True. You don't have to admit that your team is shit just to admit that they're also getting lucky. You can believe that they're the best no, team you playing couldn't right now. Possibly have that defense and think, yeah, we're definitely the best team. Yeah. Like, I'm so, as, as great as your forwards are and as good as yeah. Matt Murray is, no, I'm sorry. You, like, every, uh, like, look at what 
look at what the Predators have on D, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're just, no, man. Like, every other team that's won the Cup in the last couple of years has a stacked defense, and they just don't. But I, they do have Malkin and Crosby, and, like, Kessel's a nice option, too. And, you know, Jake Gensel just can't miss, I guess. Oh, but, guys, uh, unbelievable. It's I just want to know, Pert, like, I want to know if anybody in hockey can take a joke or knows what a joke is. No. They talked about that, Subban and Crosby, he told me my breath stinks thing, for two days <laughs> when he was so clearly making a joke. I don't, I can't believe that they kept got asking that, people about that it. That vanilla jerk. Like, he, oh, I don't know, I guess he's just making stuff up because he likes attention. He made a joke! <laughs> you freaking, oh my God, you slice a plain pizza. Like, oh my God. God. I don't know. That might be too spicy. <laughs> no sauce. No sauce. No sauce. He he's a slice of pizza that the that the the, the little you know millennials dab the grease off. Of. <laughs> oh, oh, I just can't stand Crosby, and it's not because he's not amazing. It's because he's so he's damn dull. boring. He's dull. Oh and... my! But like everyone's been talking. Like and PK of course played it up today. He brings the It was hilarious, and it's the it, like. <laughs> I just, uh, it's fun that we talk about it, but people took it seriously. Uh, like, it was like Breathgate. And it's a joke. He did. It for, he definitely didn't say that to him for of one. Of course not. No. <laughs> if he did, his 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 chirps are worse than his post game interviews. I mean, watching the Subban <laughs> interview initially, you can tell that he's just fucking around. He's clearly around. joking. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. The funny part is, like, Crosby probably said something like legitimately awful to Subban. Yeah. And, and Subban's covering it up by saying he made fun of my breath, and then Crosby doesn't even play along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, you probably like called him a slur or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these NH, I have uh, I, that offside call just killed me because I I think that rule is so it's damn dumb. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad. But it has been a pretty fun final, mostly because of the atmosphere uh, in Game Three, which was absolutely amazing. But just everything that's going on with this Predators run and the Penguins, while they have been outplayed, do have some of you know the most supremely talented players. Players in the league from all their forwards to their goalies, so it is. It has been a lot of fun. I just like what have you taken away from uh, from the final so far? Uh, aside from that, if, if Ryan Johansson was playing, the Nashville would be really wrecking this team, which is crazy. Yeah, I didn't think they had a chance without Johansson, and I really didn't like their chances. You know, going, coming into this series, but they've absolutely outplayed them. Yeah. Yeah, they had the they had basically had the one bad period. Well, you could argue two bad periods. They had a bad period in the first period of game one, and even then, that wasn't even that bad of a period. It was more like a four minute long span of like after the Subban goal got overturned, they just kind of freaked out. Yeah, and then, but but before then, the first like ten minutes of that period, they dominated. They I was really got the goal. I was really looking for a Laviolette timeout in that yeah, time. Yeah, that would have been interesting. It's just Put an end to Never that got, stuff. But, but then, then, then in the third period of game two, when the whole thing yeah, fell apart. Yeah. Aside from that, the Preds have been the better team in all every single period of the series. There is something to be said for capitalizing on your opportunities. Oh, yeah, and, and no, the Penguins have absolutely been opportunistic. It's just like over you know over a seven game series, maybe you can get away with it, but there's no way you could win in a full season like this. Like just no. consistently getting you know getting a third of the shots, but still you know still winning because Getzel is scoring every time he shoots the puck. Who right now is the consmite? Who are the consmite favorites at this point? Gensel. I. I mean, I think I think you could definitely justify it being Gensel. Yeah. The top four uh, scores. I, I would. I would go Malkin personally. Yeah. He. Okay. Um, Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, and Kessel are the top four scorers in the playoffs. 
there's not a predator until eight Forsberg, <laughs> and I'm looking at it like Roman Josie is 14 points. He's playing 26 minutes a game. If the Predators win, even though he cost them game one and two, I'm still looking at Pekka Rinne. Still looking at Rinne. <laughs> yeah. just forgetting them He there. got them there, and if yeah, they come back, true. he's going to have to be a huge part of that, too. Yeah, yeah he, he would have to be, for sure, because he's played like trash poop. Yeah, he yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I mean I would love it for it to be, for it to be Subban. Just because I think in my personal opinion, I think Subban has the, been the most impactful skater for Nashville in the playoffs. But they're not I agree. I think he uh he causes matchup problems yeah. and when he's on the ice it's it's an issue, but they're not going to give it to him. Uh, they did give it to uh, but that's Crosby. I was I was like they're not going to give it to him if somebody has better stats, but Crosby got outscored last year and didn't score a goal in the final and got it. So mm. I guess it could possibly be Subban, but that's just, you know, the I, I would effect. be legitimately mad if, uh, I mean, unless like in games, you know, four through five or four or five, six, whatever, that he just dominates. I'd be legitimately mad if Crosby gets the, gets the consummate. Because, yeah, like, I don't think he should. Because Malkin's been better than Crosby this entire postseason. And if you're going to go with the flashy guy, Getzel's been more flashy. Like, Getzel's going to break the rookie record yeah, like, for goal scoring. Like, like yeah. to, to me, if, if if they win, it's one of those two guys, and the only way Crosby would get it is if they just feel the need to give it to Crosby because he's the captain and he's Sidney Crosby. Do you think there's any possibility they give it to the goalie tandem of Flurry Murray? Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, th- I think it has to be <laughs> no. only one player. I don't even. Think Does it like, have to be? I don't even think that's legal. I don't Cut think you can vote half. for a tandem. Are there laws? Like it's it's just a trophy. I mean, you they can make give it to it's hockey, okay? <laughs> Are there really laws about this stuff? Like, what if you want to give it to Pittsburgh's goaltenders? Like the, because uh, there's the Vezina. The, the Jennings Award? Yeah. yeah. I'm the, like sure the, that you can. Yeah, the Jennings, where it's but, the best goalies, yeah, the if there's two that, yeah. yeah. So, Given that they make shit up as they go along uh, for it, just about everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just decided what offside was this year. They still don't know have what goaltenders they, interference. Yeah. To say, they, they still really, don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, it's an Death interesting question, it. though, with, with Nashville. Like, I don't know who would get the consummate. I think it would really depend on, like, if they come back and win this, who stands out in the three games that they still have to win. That's it. That, if, uh, do we have a score right now? It's nothing, nothing. Nothing. So, so if the Predators tie this up, it's then a best of three. And then I have to say, whoever stands out the most in those three games yeah. or however yeah. many, or two, that, yeah. that person gets it. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Oscar Limblom. Hey. Best forward uh, in the history of Sweden, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, the history of Sweden. I think that's true. <laughs> that has yeah, ever yeah, existed. Yeah, yeah, Peter Forsberg, the Sadids. I've nothing, never heard of them. Nothing. Bums. All bums. Bums all. Uh, I can't say after Peter Forsberg. <laughs> As an aside. Oscar Lindblom signed his entry-level contract uh, with the Flyers. Uh, Charlie, you posed some interesting questions here. First of all, do, do we expect him to make the Flyers straight out of camp? It's yes. Numbers-wise, it's tough, but if he just stands out, I can't see how he doesn't. It's interesting because I just – on one hand, you're right. There is a numbers crunch. We've talked about it on this podcast a bunch of times that – they just have so many bottom six, bottom nine type forwards. And even if they lose one of the expansion drafting, if they trade away one, they still have a ton. And where does he fit in? But he was probably the best forward or one of the two or three best forwards in Sweden. He got like the award 20. for best Yeah, he got forward, best right? forward. I mean, he was yeah. one of them. At the very yeah, least, yeah, he was yeah. one of them. In what's probably the third or fourth best league in the world, depending on whether you rate the SHL over the AHL. It's It's 
definitely is no lower than fourth. Yeah. And he dom- he dominated against against grown men, against good players. He's already been in the AHL once. Granted, it was only a, uh, I think it was a... It an was a, end it of was, season It was stint. an eight-game yeah. stint. But he scored seven points in eight games. And that was before this year when he broke out. So he's already shown he can do well in that league. So if they send him down to the AHL, my guess is he'll do really well there again, probably, because he's a better player now than he was in the end of 2015-16. To me, it's just kind of it's going to come down to how well he looks and how good he looks in camp. I think he's making too much money <clears throat> to oh, yeah. play in the AHL. <laughs> Somebody said that. But I'm hoping he gets him because I'm very, very excited about Oscar. That's my thing is Oscar Lindblom gives them an opportunity to score goals because he's good at scoring goals. And this team overall is hey, that's not. that's a good thing. This, uh, this we team need more of that. is not good at scoring nope. goals. And uh, I think they need to give themselves as many opportunities to do that. And I'm just, I'm done waiting. Well, I can't a- wait anymore. These guys, I need them here. Yeah. They're going to wait so long on so many of these, like, I, just go. Yeah, why are we waiting? Let's Let, go. That's the thing, like, stop, if stop we're going to suck, let's suck with the young guys. Exactly. Just go. And we've been saying this since the middle of the season. Just go full Leafs. Throw them all in. Four lines of kids and Voracek and Drew. Let's just do that. <laughs> no, I mean, give me, give me a, uh, give me a Lindblom, uh, either Heeshear, Patrick, and Konechny line. Kid oh, line. That would, that would be delicious. Be amazing. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like it's. It's not a big deal if he starts in the AHL, but you know that he's going to be starting in the AHL, and we're still going to be looking at Pierre Edward word Belmar every night and it's like that's what's annoying yeah is yeah. that we don't need him we don't need to play him we have a bunch of kids that are better put them in there's no room well there's no room because it's, it's one because there's there's the there's 700 forwards on the Flyers team right but if now, he's better than Matt these... Reed he should be playing over yeah. Matt Reed that's all there is to it Room schmoom. If he's better, yeah, that's the thing, if like, he's better, there's no room for the other guy. Right. Why why is yeah, there always on. room for the veterans? Like we don't need to make room because for they're Matt Reed I mean, they're usually Pebbles. making more money and you I know. know you know what they are. You know what you're gonna get from them out of the I know they thought process and I just don't level. like it. I mean look, I'm a Matt Reed defender, but if Oscar Limbaum comes out there and he outplays Matt Reed in, in training camp and he's obviously a more impactful player than Matt Reed, Matt Reed's got one year left on his contract, just weigh them. Send him down to the minors. I mean, shit. If 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 somebody wants him, take him. You got one year left on his contract. It's not like you're gonna. He's not like he's a, a future piece for the team. Same thing with you know with Nick Cousins or or Lawton. Like yeah, I would I prefer not to lose them. But in the end, you got to be giving these guys a shot, these rookies a shot if they're proving they're ready. Yeah, that's I'm done. I've said it enough. I'm done with those guys. All of them haven't separated <laughs> themselves. So it's see, even true. Nick, even Nick Cousins, it's who I like, true. you haven't separated yourself. See, ya. if someone else is better, I, I don't care or about stick you. Stick him in the press box. Like they, they have, they can oh, keep God. fourteen forwards. Stick Nick Cousins in the press box for forty games. Like he's a nice thirteenth forward. Yeah. Like yeah, if you're gonna throw him in the lineup thirty-five times, cool. I'm fine with that. But I want Oscar Lindblom in every night because it's time. It's time. I've seen enough bad hockey. It's time. Well, here's the question, another question I, I put on here. So with regards to Lindblom, like how good do we really think he's going to be? Because I do think there's a disconnect here between the way the Flyers fans see Oscar Lindblom and the way national pundits and people outside of the Flyers bubble see him. Because we look at him and we're like, this guy's really good. This guy dominated in the SHL at, at age 20. Not many people do that. He's going to be maybe not a star, but an important forward. He's barely talked about by anyone else. So is it that they're all underrating him, or are we overrating him? He's a fifth-round pick in a league no North American watches. Yeah. 
That's all there is to it. I mean, and how the much... The Swedes are excited about him. I'm sure they true, are, yeah. True, But I mean, but, there's Flyers fans that are Swedes. Yeah. <laughs> also that. <laughs> like, how, uh, how much publicity did Henrik Zetterberg get? You know, like, it, it's just... You look at your top prospects, and if he's not one of those... If he's not a, a CHL guy, if he's not a first-round pick, I mean, how much buzz was there about Shane Gostisbehere until he won the, the Frozen Four? Like, he was just... A union defenseman, yep. we'll see. He's small, he's undersized. We don't know what this guy's going to be. And then he goes now, plays Johnny Goudreau, and everyone goes, oh. This hmm. guy. Oh, he might be good. Oh, him. <laughs> I mean, the coach hasn't figured that out yet about him. So so, so to, to follow up on that, though. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're generally in agreement that we think Limblom is better than the general consensus is because he's overlooked, because he was a fifth-round pick, because he played in, in Europe and not in, uh, you know, in the OHL or the Q or whatever. Travis Connecting last year was obviously a top prospect, came in a year younger, but yeah, he comes in and he scores 28 points in 70 games. Do we think that Lindblom, being two years older, if he makes the team, would he outscore Konechny? Is it reasonable to hope that he outscores Konechny, or should we keep expectations to be like a little bit lower than what Konechny did in his first year? Like, What's, what's reasonable to hope for from Oscar Lindblom if he makes the team? I think it's reasonable to hope that he at least reaches that level, given that he's got a couple of years on Konechny at this point. That's he's a he's a bigger player. There's going to be, I think, less adjustment to just yeah. taking that kind of beating. Where Konechny was just toe dragging everybody, like he was just so much better than most of the league he was in that it was an adjustment to be. Oh, I'm just a guy out here. Like I'm no better than anyone out here where I think Lindblom already kind of had to build himself to that point and now so but like 30 points is what I'm looking for okay okay. I don't think he's going to be in year one I don't think he's going to score 30 goals well obviously yeah yeah no well you never know he does yeah anything's possible hey listen anything's possible I'm just I'm not setting my expectation for him there to me he's a guy I just look at as an extra piece who you can move up and down in the lineup and if he turns out to be more than that awesome I just worry, and I mean, this is partially, I kind of feel somewhat, I mean, I don't want to overstate the impact I have on the Flyers' Twitter fan base, but, like, I've been talking this guy up for a while, and I'm afraid that, like, I've talked him up so much, and other people have talked him up so much, and now we think he's better than he actually is. Like, I just, I don't want us to fall into the trap of thinking that Oscar Limbaugh is, like, a savior. I, th- I will hold you personally responsible. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly. He's not. But, like, I, he's good. I think he's going to be good, and the reason why I always ranked him high is because I always looked at him as a player that had a relatively high floor, because guys who do well at that age in the Swedish league generally don't bust. They're generally useful, but I'm not looking at Oscar Lindblom and thinking that he's definitely going to be like a first-line winger. Yeah, no, I hope I, he yeah. is, but like, I don't want people to come in with the expectation that he will be better than Travis Konechny or be, even be on Travis Konechny's level from a talent standpoint. No, but like a skilled third-liner would be nice. It would. Like a, a third-liner that regularly scores goals on the third line. That would be Weird. delightful. That'd be cool. Like, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be neat. It doesn't need to be more than that. That would be enough for me to be like, all right, cool. I mean, you can I, roll three lines yeah. and score goals. Isn't that delightful? That'd be neat. And I've always yeah. described Limlam as kind of like, I mean, not necessarily in style, but at least in terms of what I expect from him. Like, I look at him as like Raffle, but with more of a scorer's touch. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's going to drive play, and I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be smart. I think he's going to get to the net. But I think he's got better hands. I think he can finish mm, better than Raffle. His Silky his hands there. his hands in tight are what excite me the most. Kickity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like just seeing some of the plays he's made around the net. It's not just tap-ins. It's making a move. It's making a play around the net to create a scoring chance. Not just capitalizing on someone else, you know, setting him up. Yeah. Which uh, that's an exciting aspect. Just to have more creativity, more options, and like we can roll more lines with him, even if he's not the you know first line left winger that everybody wants to put with Giroux or I guess now Nico slash Patrick. It's a guy that can play. Do you ever notice we always do that? Where it's like, if a prospect is not a first or second liner, then we're like over them and we don't give a shit. Like, it, yeah. Well, it, usually it's because we're picking them in the first round. That's true. <laughs> that's I guess that's part. true. Yeah. Usually it's a Scott Lawton. Fair. Okay. I just was wondering <laughs> yeah. if but that I, was like a thing that no, we I, keep doing. I, I think you make a really good point in that I feel like Scott Lawton's a classic example of a guy that we've given up on in a lot of ways because he's clearly not going to be that that shut down center or the guy who can play in the top two lines. But that doesn't mean he can't be a useful bottom sixer. And by a bottom sixer, I don't mean a bottom sixer in the sense of the Flyers have been yeah, using. Yeah, not a Chris Vandeveldi. I mean like a good third line winger. Like I think he could still be that. And I don't think that it's worth just tossing a guy like that away, you know, basically saying, well, just whatever, just because he's not an ultra impact player he can still be useful oh and he's still Lord. on a cheap deal <laughs> i hate to ruin everyone's day but Sidney crosby just scored eight disgusting goal oh, well good he's oh, a disgusting Lord. person <laughs> good god sorry ridiculous. every now and again it's just sorry, like I'm sorry. he's so freaking good so, uh, <laughs> but he sucks yeah so uh and he still can't grow a beard so. well it's against hockey etiquette to say anybody sucks remember <laughs> that peter laviolette <laughs> never in his life heard that before isn't that special <laughs> I, I, had, I was really, really confused for a second. It actually made like, me very, angry. Very confused. Like, motherfucker, you heard that every single home game that you coached he was here. In the I, I made room, that I point. I yeah. made that yeah, point. Who cares? But Kelly, you didn't even, you talk about Crosby scoring, you didn't even know that Nashville scored before that. I did, but no, no one listens did. to oh, me. I missed oh. it. Okay, I was busy sorry. yelling about a no, thing. Listen here, etc. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Hello, it's me, etc. <laughs> Charles, what happened with uh, Samuel Charles, Dove McFalls? Charles, I like that that's catching on, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. Charles. Samuel Dove, Dove McFalls. Okay. God, uh, he does not anything less. <laughs> I just, it's just interesting to see how, because we keep an eye on all these prospects, yeah. and you see the list, and he's not exactly at the top, but he's a guy who was a prospect at some point, and he just he never gets his entry level. He can re-enter the draft this year. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? Well, they took him in the fourth round in 2015, so just two years ago, but because he's in the CHL, you have to sign those guys within two years, or else they go back into the pool, and clearly the Flyers didn't see enough in him he he's a guy where when they made that pick and i'm not saying this to act like i'm mr brilliant but like i didn't like that pick when it was made because he just didn't score that much like when when they take a guy out of the chl i want him to at least be somewhat close to like point per game if he's a forward i want him to show that he has offensive potential and mcfalls never really did in his draft year he looked more like a future fourth liner and the next two years and the, the year after he spent most of the year injured and then this year he was okay 53 points in 65 games but if that's your draft plus two season like you're probably not going to be anything more than a fourth liner at the NHL level and then you're just thinking to yourself okay well why did they waste a pick on a guy who had a fourth liner ceiling and I hope I really really hope that the reason why they took him is because they thought he had a ceiling higher than that this wasn't a case of them taking like going 
low risk in the mid rounds because I feel like in the fourth round you can still get skilled guys if you pick sure. the right. I mean, looking at the Flyers, six picks after they took McFalls, they took Vorobiov, and Vorobiov's looking like yeah, he's not going to be a first line center, but he could. But he be may play mid- in the league. Yeah, he yeah. might be a good middle six center. Maybe he's got that upside. Whereas McFalls, you, the minute they took him, you're like, what is he? A, a fourth line winger? I think it's maybe just about center, maybe. I think it's just at that point. Not throwing darts, but trusting a scout. It's yeah, a, that's fair. If this one scout loves this guy and you loved his last two picks, you go with him. If there's not a consensus in the room, you just go, I trust the one guy. I trust this one guy who's come through on us on, you know, maybe he was the guy who scouted uh, Oscar Lindblom too. Thanks a and, lot, Mark Gregg. And they were just like, all right, we trust you. I and to blame him. <laughs> no, you, you might be right. And one thing I did note um, – with regards to those types of picks, is that they what they've done? So they they drafted McFalls in the fourth round in 2015. They drafted Carson Torinsky in the third round last year, and they're both. And then they drafted Connor Bonneman. Same thing, same thing, mid round last year. They're all like that bigger bodied possible power forward type. And maybe what the Flyers are thinking with those guys is like. Those guys can be late bloomers. Is that the L.A. influence? They take them a little bit of time, and maybe, maybe you hope they develop into something really good down the road. Like, because Wayne Simmons and Milan Lucci should not score very well in their draft years, but... They, I guess they had like projectable frames or whatever, That's, and they were like, "All right, we'll take a shot." And then when Dub Dub McFalls didn't develop into the next Wayne Simmons, they were like, "All right, well, we're not going to sign you because we're not going to sign you if you're just a fourth line." I think that's part of it is when you get there and there's not a consensus in the room, you go, "We'll go measurables then. We'll just draft on measurables because, like, yeah, we'll go Travis Connecting in the first round because he clearly has the skill. Yeah, and he but, has the production. Yeah, to back it, it yeah. up. And when you get later in the draft, you go, "All right, we're not really sure about this pick. It's down to three guys." Let's go with the one with the frame we trust most. I'm, I'm back and re-engaged. Sorry, we have t-shirts now. Oh, yay. Yay. I, did, I did the thing. Throw it I out there, I think it's Steph. actually, I think it's it's good to see them say, all right, you know, we picked this guy. He's not panning out, so we're going to cut ties. It's I think it's good that they're not saying, like, all right, we drafted him. We have to stick with him. We have to see what's going to happen. Like, no, it's, it's he's not going to work. Let him go. Okay, fine. And they wasted no money. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Moving I, on. I totally yeah. agree. And also, it's the fact that Four or five years ago, they probably sign him because who else do they have in the pipeline? It's like, well, right. at least he'll play in the AHL and maybe become something. And now it's like, okay, well, we got Vorobiov coming into the AHL. We got maybe Lindblom. We got you know tons of tons of young. We Still Cal- no real we, place. We, we got Albe Kubel who's long. probably yeah. moving up the lineup. Like they're thinking to themselves, where does he fit? And that's a great thing because if you're thinking, where does this fourth this fourth round pick from two years ago, who was just decent in the juniors, if he doesn't fit, that means the guys that are above him are probably pretty good. Yeah. All right. Now moving on to this year's draft, where if you haven't heard, the Flyers are in possession of the second overall pick. Is this Is true? This? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, too Kelly. Slow. It's too slow. It's okay. <laughs> Steph's just not even paying attention tonight. We have a t-shirt store. It's on TeePublic, and you can go and search for Broad Street Hockey. There are three shirts on there, well, three three different designs that you can get on t-shirts and other things, um, including mugs and what? Can I get a mouse pad? You can get a mouse pad. pad. (laughs) And you can get a phone case, and they're now live, and they are on sale for $14. Do I get a discount? It's on sale for $14. (laughs) Um, Charlie, can you see what happened with the Facebook? Uh-oh. Trying to reconnect. Reconnecting? Okay. 
trying to? It's trying. I don't know what else we can really do. All right. Well, All right. well I just couldn't read is the internet Is the internet down? Because Mine I, isn't. Let's see. I still got the game going. Well, Kelly's sucking up all the Wi-Fi. Anyway, I can't, yeah, cut I can't, it. I can't do it. NHL Combine Draft. NHL Com- I can't think of anything less interesting than the NHL Combine. The NFL it Combine me is pretty out, bad, man. But. but at least, like, I don't know, there are measurable skills in the NFL to me. Whereas, like, Phil Kessel's a fat dude who's one of the best players in the league. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't. It always <laughs> brings me a lot of joy when people freak out about. Someone not being able to do a pull up. Yeah, like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. what does that bring to well, hockey? Who was it? Monahan that couldn't do it, or was it, it was Sam Bennett? Bennett? Bennett. Yeah, couldn't Bennett. do a pull up. Like, and I don't this care. Your middle stat, middle yeah. stat, middle stat. Yeah, I mean, at, I least, at least Bennett though. Bennett had a shoulder injury. Yeah, right. I think middle stat just does not like but it's lift like, at all. Do you even lift? Bro? Do you lift, bro? <laughs> That's the thing. Like you, it's not. It's not a strength that you need to be a good hockey player. It's just not. They don't no. need to be able to do it. Leg day up. every day. Yeah. That's all you need in hockey. How much can he squat? <laughs> I just, I don't know, I but don't, we it's, got. It's so creepy. We did get, down. we did get uh, the interviews. And that's, that's, I think, the biggest part of any real combine, actually. I think the other stuff is just a show yeah, for the media that. to do something. The interviews are the big thing. It's like OTAs in the NFL. I feel like it's just a show for the media. I think the two most important things in the combine, truthfully, are the interviews and the weigh-ins. Because there are so many players that, like, in, in all the leagues, but the NHL is one of them, you know, with the, the lower levels have their size and their height over-exaggerated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they come in and it's like, oh, wait, the guy who we thought was 6'4 is actually 6'1. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there someone who was, like, supposed to be 6'2 but was actually 5'8"? Was there? That's I think, close. I, I feel like that That's happened close. this year. It, it, was like, it was something obscene. Uh, um, yeah, my internet is completely but down. But we got a... We got clarification on Nolan Patrick's I injuries. Uh, it was he actually had two sports hernias, uh, had one repaired last summer, and basically played all of last year with the other one. Is a sports and hernia the same as a regular hernia? It is not. It's like a groin tear yeah. that gets up into your like, oh, okay. abdomen or yeah. an abdomen tear that gets down into your groin. I just remember when Donovan McNabb had one and whoever was the Eagles or whoever was the Flyers goalie at the same time mm-hmm. happened to have one. And I, I had it explained to me a bunch of times then, but it is not like a it's, gotcha. it's not like a, an actual hernia injury. It's different somehow, uh, but it's basically a, a severe groin injury from what I can tell. Yeah. And, and was it? He, did he know about the second one, or it was misdiagnosed? It was misdiagnosed yeah. until. But then, but then, yeah. didn't I? I thought I read something where he knew about it and decided to do some alternate treatment instead of the second surgery. Is that? Did, am I making that up? I think, and there have been a lot of like conflicting reports flying around. But I think what happened was they only diagnosed him with the first one in the summer, and then he went back and started playing the next year and was clear, clearly hampered by something and. They basically went back in. They realized he had another sports hernia, and rather than get the surgery, he just decided to sit out some time and let it heal on its own. That's what I think happened, mm. and that's why he missed all that time. That's why he missed the World Juniors, and that's why he was kind of hampered this season because even when he came back, it's not like it was fully healed. It and was he was still healed enough. Still pretty productive. Yeah, he still basically uh, did exactly what he did the previous year considering on a worse team. Yeah, considering he's playing with a pretty bad injury, he did all right. I mean, so, all right. Yeah. yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. What, was so, he a point and a half a game? Yeah, it was like what one point like four, like forty six points in thirty something games. I think I he was basically he on the same the same point per game pace as he as he had the previous year on a worse team playing through a sports hernia. But uh, one thing sounds like a bust to me. A yeah. lot, a lot of people all of a sudden 
have Nico back at, or have P- Nolan Patrick back at one. Like Do the they? Devils maybe saw what they needed to see or like his size or just, oh, okay, he had two sports hernias. I don't know, but I've just. In the since the beginning of the combine, I've seen a lot more people saying the Devils are going with consensus rather than uh, they like Nico better. Hmm. Yeah, and, that, that's that's what I've been hearing. I mean, it, it sounds like that was just what the general consensus was at the combine because mm-hmm. there was obviously tons of scouts all over there, yeah. and it seemed like the reporters were asking scouts, "Who do you think they're going to take?" And like to a man, the scouts were like, "Oh, they got to take Patrick." Okay, it's like I mean, doesn't mean they're going to do it, but th- this strikes me as a situation where. Maybe some of Shiro's scouts like he sure better, but Shiro's kind of looking at it and is like, how can I pass this guy up? And that's what it's going to come down to. If you don't take Nolan Patrick one, it ah, I feel like that's the risk, is if you go he share one, Nolan Patrick has been the guy for two years. Like He has been the guy who is going first overall for two years now, and if you go against that, that's the risk. Like As yeah. a GM, you have to weigh that. And if you see what you need to see out of uh, out of Nolan Patrick, y- you kind of got to take. At the him. same time, though, like you also have to you have to trust your scouts. I mean, yeah. re- remember the uh, the draft year where everybody was sure that that it was either going to be Druan or Seth Jones going too, and Florida went Barkoff, and Barkoff looks really good. Yeah, he's excellent. Like I, I don't know if I take Barkoff over Seth Jones, but I probably take him over Druan. Yeah, and, and, at, the, and at the time, it's like, what the hell are they thinking? So sometimes you do kind of have to just trust your guys who you pay to evaluate these kids. That's true. You do. There well, was something. Go ahead. Go Were ahead. you going to talk about Montreal? No. Okay. So today it came out that uh, Nolan Patrick was interviewing with the Flyers, the Devils, and the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. we Bill and I talked about this a bit before you guys got here. Yeah. And I wonder if they're thinking that they want to trade with the Devils or if they want to trade with us. Or the stars who are at number oh, three. Yeah, I guess that. If he falls because of injury, then yeah. you jump up to three because you can't let it go. Okay, I, I, I could see that. that. I yeah. would think, and this is just a theory, is that if they're going to trade with anybody, it would be Jersey because the the, the Montreal's best prospect is uh, is Sergachev, who's a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Flyers all need a defenseman. Mm-hmm. The Devils mm-hmm. need defensemen. So, like, if they could put together some type of package. It's been hard for them without Adam Larson. <laughs> yeah, true. But seriously, like, they, it's funny how they, they God, they, they let Proveroff and Wierenski go for Pavel Zaka. <laughs> God, that was brilliant. But, but seriously, like, yeah, I've got nothing. There, there's a situation here where maybe they decide they really like Sergeyev and maybe there's a move there. I don't think, I don't think Macho's going to trade him. I think in the end, what this is, is, um, a situation where Bergevin is basically setting himself up to tell the fans, like, see, I tried to get a 1C. Yeah, I I'm tried, doing. I'm doing yeah. my best. Like, mm-hmm. see, I, I even interviewed him. It's like, no, no one's going to trade the, the first two he's picks. He's not fallen. Yeah. You know, like, he's not like, fallen to three. No. The Devils aren't going to trade you their number one overall pick. The Flyers are going to trade you the number two overall pick. People, I, to me, this is just shadow games by Bergevin, but I could be wrong. People keep tweeting me about Gabe Velarde, and I keep, like, no. Absolutely not. I cannot pay in a in what is that was the one that I was thinking of that I couldn't think that I couldn't I the name just slipped my mind completely when I did what my Q and A this keeps, weekend. In what keeps being described to me as a two player draft, I'm not going off the board. No. Especially considering how freaking lucky the Flyers got. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. if they were a team who were gonna be in the top five because that's who they are and they're gonna be there for the next several seasons, all right, yeah, take the guy that uh, maybe. But no. 
Not when you jumped from 13 to 2 and you are given this golden opportunity to get one of the two best guys. You don't go with the third best. Especially since it's everything that I've read. It's like 1, 2, and then way down to number 3. It's not like there's like a little bit of a range where you can kind of make a case. It's just like, no, these are the two guys. The Devils are going to take one. We're taking the other one. Yeah. Whenever somebody whenever somebody brings up Villardi to me, I always say I think Cody Glass is better, and that usually shuts them up. Like, nah. I don't think Villardi's the Villardi's the, the third best player in the draft. I think Glass is the third best forward in the draft. So if they're going to go off board, at least take him. Which I don't want them to, but like shit, if you're if you're going to throw Gabe Villardi at me, I'm going to throw the guy who I think is better than Gabe Villardi. Perhaps they should take a goalie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I actually so on our Facebook. Um, on our Facebook feed, which is now dead because the internet is dead, um, there was a comment that I actually may not even be able to pull up because the internet is dead. That would be awesome if the internet died. Like, like, it's, it would be total. very freeing, actually. In total. The internet, the internet is dead, died. but it, it was something I mean, along the lines job, of, you guys don't know hockey if you wouldn't trade number two, Sean Couturier, number two and Sean Couturier to Buffalo for Evander Kane. Like, you don't know... Ca- you don't... <laughs> I don't know hockey if you say no. Then I don't know hockey at all. Then I mean, I've never watched. Is is this like maybe that? Where am I? Like what's happening? You know how? uh, Like here we call we call the NFL football and we call soccer soccer. Yeah. Maybe like that guy's foreign and there's some other sport that they call hockey. Where he's from? Hmm. Maybe he means <laughs> maybe, field hockey. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Field hockey. And maybe Vander Kane's an excellent field hockey He's probably player. great at it. All right. Yes. Uh, Second so, overall pick, Coots for Evander Kane. If you wouldn't do this, you don't coots. know hockey. Man, so, we, we are we are really dumb. Like, like, yeah. we, we just don't I'm know hockey. I'm not even going to argue I mean, with I, I said at the beginning of the show that we're, we were young and dumb in the beginning of the season. Maybe we still are. So we're left dumb. with a 20-goal winger whose teammates all hate him. And have hated him and for Claude multiple Giroux teams. And He's like demonstrably no an asshole. Yeah, yeah. like, like no Evander Kane's been accused of some bad shit. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't want him on my team even if he was actually really good. And he's not actually really good. He's solid. Yeah, I he's, would literally trade any player solid? that took a picture with money stacks <laughs> as a phone. Get off my team. No, I don't care about that. Even it like not me. even not even like a little bit. It bothers me. You probably hate PK Subban too. No way. He would never do that. Uh, he might. <laughs> Um, it would probably be endearing, though, if he did. <laughs> He's just so what, cute. What was I going to say? Sorry. Oh, sorry. something about players who are, are solid. Uh, Sean Couturier, who also adopts kittens and fosters them and is squeaky clean and adorable. Yeah, he's got no teeth, too, which seems, is nice. Seems good. Like, uh, I know I know a couple other solid hockey players. Or at least I thought I did before I got real dumb. Nah. <laughs> something that really encouraged me about Nico, and it's like, I can't. I can't believe my brain still works like this. But I thought he was like six feet tall, and he's six one and a half. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> he's, he's taller than yeah. he was expected to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like one seventy nine, so like one eighty, like six two, one eighty. All right, to me. Yeah, he can fill out. He's got sure. a good frame. That yeah. like I was before. Eh, maybe he's gonna be a little slight, but I still like him. Uh, he was my guy over Nolan. I still I wanted him, but I was a little worried about that size still and. Inch and a half. Now now you're feeling better. Inch and a half and like four pounds. Six foot two, 200 pounds. 199, but close. Well, if he's calling, if he's calling, he sure. That's fair. 180, then Nolan Patrick is 200 pounds. 
All right. Yeah. Then Patrick's got a beefy boy. I like it. And that's that's not that's not insignificant. Not only because like it makes him more likely he's going to be NHL ready from the jump and he's going to be able to stand up to the physical physical pounding. But it's also it implies that his frame can naturally carry more weight. Yeah. Whereas he sure there's a good chance he's always going to kind of have a slight frame because that's what he needs to do to survive. Like you're not going to ask him, hey, pack on 20 pounds, champ, champ. Like, no, you want him to play fast, whereas Patrick can probably play more physical because he's. 18 years old and he's already 200 pounds hmm. um the only other thing i would like to say about the combine is whatever that test is where they can't breathe and they're on the thing and the people are yelling oh, at the bike. them yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they made my poor almost baby boy throw up that guy that yells at them is the best job in the history of the world i if if i was on the bike like i would get off slap him and then get back on i would never be able i would never be able to handle that i threw up at the first day of training camp every single year for six years same <laughs> And that was high school. <laughs> I was just hung over. <laughs> well, that's different. Uh, so the Flyers are talking with Jordan Wheel. They are. They and are that's apparently good. having conversations. And Charlie, uh, you have a you have an interesting question here. What is your limit with Wheel? Because we all liked what we saw out of him. I like the guy a lot. Did we? I, I'm kidding. Just, Steph, kidding. Steph's still a wheel skeptic. I'm, I'm very skeptical. Steph doesn't like goals. <laughs> I think that he's. I, I think that he's Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton has never scored that many goals. Yeah, Scott, I, I don't, I don't I, think Jordan Scott Wheel's five years older. I think that he's Scott Lawton. I don't think Scott Lawton's ever in his NHL career had a stretch as impressive as Jordan Wheel had at the end of this past year. Well, they both played the same amount of games. Scott Lawton's played more games in the NHL than Jordan Wheel. Yeah, my and he's point done is less that, to separate. Yeah, himself. my point is that Wheel in those twenty-three games probably provided more on ice value than than Lawton provided in the hundred games he's played. Okay, but what if you only cut that down to twenty-three games where Lawton looked his best? I mean, sure, but it wasn't all in a row. I mean, maybe you'd be, yeah, if you picked his 23 best games, that would be like one game in October, one game in December. Like, mm. to, do it, to do it consecutively has some type of, you know, importance, I think, because it shows that you can sustain strong play over a long period of time. Whereas if you're having good games once a month, like, whoop de do You're just not, you're not good. You just had a good matchup that yeah. night. That's, that's what saying, that means. I think, I think Jordan Wheel is Scott Lawton. We already have one of those. I don't know how you can make that comparison at all. That's a crazy thing to say to me. Because he's 25 and he's played 30 NHL games. That happens sometimes. To who else? I don't know. G- give me, me, give me one other player. Me, me one, one other player who is 25 years old. He just didn't get a shot. <laughs> na- literally, I'm asking you to name one other player who's 25 years old has not has only played a couple, a handful of games. Let's say a, a few dozen games in the NHL and has gone on to have a successful career. I mean. Kelly just said Matt Reed. Well, Matt Reed wasn't 25. He was just a college graduate. He was a 25-year-old rookie. Wasn't he? Yeah, I thought he was 24, 25 yeah, was in his rookie year. When he started, yeah. Yeah. But he was in college. He was playing in so true, he went but in college. Yeah, it's, 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 so he went undrafted. It's, it's not that he didn't have the chance to get called up. It's not that he, he, he had the chance to make the NHL and didn't make it. It was that he was playing in college. He had the chance to be drafted and a whole bunch of teams went seven rounds and said, nah. Yeah, you know who else was that? Vecchioni. Okay, well we're not talking about Vecchioni. No, we're not talking, like, this is, this is <laughs> yeah. my, that's, talking about college free agents is a whole other thing. This is someone who was drafted and this is not good enough to make the team after how many years? See, but then he played and he was good enough. Yeah. I don't know how you can say he wasn't good enough when he played and he was. So you're basing it off of nothing. I'm basing it off of history. The past 
last four years where he hasn't been good enough. But he dominated in the AHL. Like, is is it possible this is a situation not that he wasn't good enough to make the NHL, but that teams stupidly kept him down when he was good enough? No, that's I mean, a lot he, of teams. I mean, he he died. It's he, LA. He won and the Flyers. He won the, the basically the con Smythe with LA. The next year he didn't play at all because both the Flyers and the Kings were scared to death to send him down because they didn't want to lose him. And then last year he was the best forward on the on the on the Phantoms. Like this is a guy who maybe for the last three years legitimately was good enough to be the NHL. It was just some teams felt like it was smarter to start Chris Vandevelde for 81 games. I was going to say there are probably more than a couple of players that were good enough to make the NHL last year that we didn't give a shot to because we were busy playing PK specialists all year long. I'm just saying if anybody can give me someone who is in the AHL, had the opportunity to make the NHL for four seasons and did not, and then went on to have a successful NHL career, then I will give this more credence. He didn't have a shot, though. That's, yeah, that's yeah, why... That, yeah, I guess How many I, training camps were there? He went, he went to four training camps to make the team and did not. But he was clearly one of the best players in training camp and this still past did season. did not make the team. And the Flyers were just like, nah, and, we want Chris Vandeveld. did not make the team. So that's bad coaching, the guy you hate. And bad management. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the people you hate, not right. him. But it wasn't just this team, is what I'm saying. The Kings, who just fired everybody. <laughs> It doesn't Maybe this factored into that. Oh, you're right. Jordan Wheel. Jordan Wheel was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. He was the one. That's yeah. why everyone got fired in LA. Get the fuck out of it here. It could very well Jordan be, Wheel. It could very well be a like picture of what went wrong there. Oh yeah, we won all these big bodied four checkers and we have a guy with skill that we just didn't give a shot to because we wanted to give Marion Gabrick an extension. Like maybe that's kind of what went wrong there, and that's why everyone got fired. No, you're right, maybe Jordan Wheel. Part that's of what, right. Maybe totally part right. of what we yep. hate about Dave Hacks. Stall that he doesn't he didn't give a shot to young guys with skill. Mm-hmm. So also Ron Hextall. I mean, it was his choice. Yeah, and he's made a lot of bad decisions. I would like to see Jordan Wheel signed for two years. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> Ron Hextall's made a bunch of bad decisions. He gave Dale Weiss four years. Maybe he's just the right guy who's wrong. I've said that. I, I just think if we're if we're gonna spend months talking about like why are the Flyers playing crap players. Then when they bring up a guy who's dominated in the AHL and he does and well, has success, we shouldn't get mad at him because he didn't beat out the crap players. Who I'm for, not mad who at for, him. For some, I have nothing against re- Jordan Wheel. I like reason, Jordan Wheel. You're comparing him to a player he's clearly better than. I have I, Jordan Wheel has very delightful curls. I like Jordan Wheel a lot. I just think I just think he's Scott Lawton, who I do not like. I just don't think you can blame. I don't. I don't. I don't think you can simultaneously say the Flyers were stupid and made stupid roster decisions, and then say Jordan Wheel failed because he took longer than expected to make the AHL. When you're saying essentially that you're criticizing the Flyers for not bringing up guys like Jordan Wheel, like either either the Flyers are intelligent why? and were accurately evaluating Jordan Wheel, and that's why he got he stayed down so long, or the Flyers were being stupid and Jordan Wheel's actually good. Well, I think that it could easily be both. I think that it could easily be both because Jordan Wheel might not be good enough to make the NHL, but also the Flyers are simultaneously making really shitty but roster moves. Everything I've seen out of Jordan Wheel tells me he is good enough. So For what tells- 25 games. That's it. 25 games. Okay. It's better than him being bad enough. It's better enough. than him not playing well in them. I've seen guys play longer and not be as good. I've like seen, uh, Pierre Edward. Yeah. Yeah. He's so are you telling me because Vandevelde played 81 games, he's good enough to be in the NHL when clearly he isn't? No, that's just no, stupid I'm, management. No, but I'm saying that you've had a much longer opportunity to form an opinion on him. 
I also think, and this is this is my personal bias. I think there are a lot of players in the AHL that are that are good enough to be in the NHL, and they're only down there because they don't fit the mold of what what hockey people think bottom sixers should be. I think there's a lot of Jordan Wheels down in the AHL that should be in the NHL that are that don't yeah. get their shot, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm biased in favor of Jordan Wheel because I think Jordan Wheel should have gotten his shot two years ago. And I think the only reason why he didn't is because he's small and maybe because he's not, you know, he's small but not a speedster. And that's the only way you get called up is if, if you're small but you're unbelievably skilled or you're a speedster. You don't get called up if you're a point-per-game player in the AHL, but you are you get designated as a tweener for the rest of your career. That's, uh, Tyrell Goldborn gets drafted in the third round because he's got NHL legs. <laughs> and he's got an ECHL skill set. So, so my bias here is probably that I think that players like Jordan Wheel are consistently underrated and the only reason why they're down in the AHL is because the NHL isn't forward thinking enough to realize that hey if a guy has 70 points in 70 games in the AHL probably is better than the crappy fourth liners we have yeah but again that's just my opinion I just I, it will be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets because he stood out in a small amount of time he I was given yeah. an opportunity and capitalized on it and I guess his agent's going to want to extrapolate those numbers, and Hextall's going to go, yeah, you're 25. Yeah. At, at some point, the Flyers would have to say, like, you know, good luck, kid, see what you can get in free agency. But I'd easily give him, like, $1.5 million. Sure. That's the thing is, I just think he's a guy who got dropped in the Flyers' lap and on a team that doesn't have enough skill. Like, this is someone that you received for two salary dumps. You got Jordan Wheel as a gift from LA, and I just like you need to see what can come of that. Even if it fails, I, I just see him as a guy that you need to make the investment and see what happens because it. Yeah. If it works, it's a huge move, and you'll always be able to underpay him Especially- because of who he is and because of his track record. You'll always be able to underpay him. Especially since the Flyers' cap situation is pretty not terrible, yeah. so why not throw a couple of years at him? With a little bit of money and see what happens. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, okay. Yeah, and if, and if he sucks, you just send him down to the minors, yeah. or, or lose him on waivers. Whatever you can pick up, like what nine hundred thousand dollars of cap relief if you sign him to a one point four million dollar year contract. Yeah. That means what you're paying six hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars of dead cap space when you have ten million dollars worth of cap space. Like who cares? Give him a shot. Do we uh, expect this ghost thing to get done anytime soon? No. Before the season starts, I'm not. I'm not super worried about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't like whatever tweet it was the other, whatever week it was, um, saying. I don't even. I don't even remember the words, but it just made it sound like both sides are really unhappy with the demands. Got to hear both sides. Got to hear both sides. But I. I didn't get that vibe. I felt like it was just. I think it was Carcidi who tweeted it, and I didn't. I got the vibe that like Carcidi was just trying to say, yeah, they're talking, but they haven't agreed to anything yet. Not like they're talking and they're like at each other's throats. Yeah, because mm-hmm. didn't he say it in some weird way, like neither side is ready to make a yeah. commitment or something like some exactly weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, does okay. anyone fear an offer sheet? Because I absolutely do. I, nah. I don't. I I am wary. I don't fear it, but it's always looming out there I, like the rogue planet. I it's, kinda, it's, it's looming. I kind of would almost like to see it just to see if the Flyers value ghost as much as we think they should. Like if somebody offers sheets him the Zaitsev deal, do the Flyers go, yeah, we're, we think he's worth it. Or do the Flyers go, we'll take that compensation. Like I would like to know if they value him at that level. Hmm. I just don't. I, I, 
I operate under the assumption that NHL GMs are too scared to offend their friends to give out offer sheets. Like I, I, that just that just what I. That's what I expect because there have been so many they, times, so many players that should have been offer sheeted, and they, and, and they don't do it because they're just they're, they're scared of another Holmgren situation where Holmgren offer sheets Weber, and then Holmgren gets, gets basically blackballed from conversations because how dare you use something that's in the freaking CBA? That's um, from September 06 when the Flyers offer sheeted Ryan Kessler to Ryan O'Reilly in uh, February of 2013. There were what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight offer sheets. So it was like a pretty regular thing between the lockouts, basically. It was a fairly regular thing, and there hasn't been one since Ryan, o- Ryan O'Reilly, which was, there had only been one prior to that, Shea Weber, right. and then O'Reilly, and then there hasn't been another one. So it is now looked down upon, I guess, but until that point, it was a fairly regular occurrence, and it just isn't now... I, uh, I kind of want to see it just because it'll be interesting, but I don't... You're just an agent of chaos. Well, yeah, but I also <laughs> want to see if the Flyers value him. If the Flyers would go, yeah, we do. Okay, at the end of the day, seven at three and a half, done. Is that all post-salary cap, those offer sheets? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, from 06 to 2013, there were eight. Okay, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I mean, NHL GMs in general seem to have lost their balls a bit. There's not really <laughs> a lot of big blockbuster trades anymore. Well, there was last year. There, that, and those were the first in a long time, and yeah. everyone freaked out. It was, it was awesome. It was yeah. fun. Like, it would be nice well, if... Well, those if, teams if, ended up in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, shake it up a little bit, guys. Finally, uh, we'll wrap up with this, guys. Oh, God. You have no idea. Oh boy. How hard I was dancing. <laughs> Standing up and dancing in my room when those George McPhee quotes about Neuberg. When came I out. read them, I literally guys, laughed out loud. You guys have thinking no about you. idea. Yeah. I got so many tweets about it, like, it's happening. <laughs> um, I know guys, one of them was from me. You guys, <laughs> if I was you, I wouldn't show up when it happened. <laughs> It's going to be insufferable. I'm not leaving Vegas. We're going to be in Vegas. It's going to be a 60-minute show about how smart I am. (laughs) I really hope everyone is prepared for that. I'll actually welcome that. I I really, really hope everyone is prepared for that. No. My body is ready. No, I'd rather die. He he specifically said that Neuvert is (laughs) technically technically perfect. Technically perfect. Which I don't know if I saw that. (laughs) If his mechanics were right this year, I don't know what went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of bad puck. Everything right except stop the puck. He was in the right place and it it just somehow eluded him. The puck was in the wrong place. (laughs) Exactly. He was technically perfect. The puck was in the wrong place. Guys have developed a change up that he just hasn't been able to adapt yet to. the year he's going to master it. Uh, that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Uh, thank you very much to Wildfire Radio. Please check out broadstreethockey.com. And Steph, what is our Public or whatever the hell it is? Mm, good question. So it's tpublic.com backsplash backsplash. Yep, let's do that. <laughs> Throw it on a backsplash. <laughs> Broad Street Hockey. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks guys for being here and uh, have a great week, Philly.
I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.